That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a Game 5 fork in the road. A fork in the road Game 5 victory for the Denver Nuggets by way of 118 to 102. Denver has taken a pivotal Lead in this series, we talked about the math uh, in yesterday's episode uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday's episode, uh, that the winner of Game 5, when a series is tied 2-2, goes on to win that series 82% of the time. The Nuggets have the mathematic history in their favor, and my eyes have once again returned um, and synced up with my basketball instincts and acumen that the Denver Nuggets are the better team and that's what we saw on display on Tuesday evening on TNT Whew, big uh, breath of, of, of relief a sigh a sigh of relief um, and that is uh, mostly to do uh, with one person not all because I just referenced a team and it takes everyone but have you ever ordered uh, a, 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 an Uber or a Lyft and y- y- you got to be somewhere like it's the airport and you punch it in, and the the driver comes up on your screen, and it's like, Kevin, five stars, top driver. And you sort of just take like a, oh, perfect, I'm, I'm in good hands. I'm in good hands. That's what I feel like when Nikola Jokic is playing for the Denver Nuggets, and you are in a high-leverage spot. Five stars, reliability rating, top driver, we're in good hands. That was the emotion on Tuesday night where Jokic was going for 29 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists. He started slow offensively in that first half. But when you needed him most, when you needed to get to the airport, he was going to be the one to take you there. 12 of 20, hyper-efficient, 2 of 3 from 3, grabbed 13 rebounds, 12 assists, had multiple blocks, had a steal, uh, kept his turnovers, um, under control, okay, didn't get into foul trouble, was a plus 18 was he, when he was out on the floor, and it's another triple-double. Now Jokic has passed Will Chamberlain for the most playoff games with a triple-double by a center in NBA history. It's another benchmark stat rearranging the NBA record books. Jokic has done this in the last three years as much as anyone that I've ever seen. And this guy's uh, legend is growing to a degree where it almost feels like it's a tall tale. He's Paul Bunyan of the Denver Nuggets. And more history for you, uh, Jokic is the first player in NBA History in the playoffs, okay? This is playoff history. To total 175 points, 65 rebounds, and 50 assists over a five-game span. It's never happened. There's no precedent for what we're seeing. And 
as good as uh, Devin Booker has been in this series, and Booker has been great. Now, Denver did a great job on him defensively. We'll talk about that in a second. He doesn't get to 30 points. We predicted that on our radio show. Um, and when I say we, I mean I. Um, but but as good as Booker has been, Jokic is Jokic. Jokic is the best player in this series. Okay? Now, Booker has burned brighter in specific stretches of time, and we're not here to take away from Devin Booker. That guy has been otherworldly. I mean, truly great with a capital G. But Jokic's sustainability and repeatability of his performances in these playoffs, especially when it was all on the line, okay? Game five, for all intents and purposes, it's all on the line. You cannot go down 3-2 headed back to Phoenix. And... This is what, and, and we, we talk about superstars and, you know, the, the labeling or mislabeling of superstars. And Jokic is the personification, or, or rather the, the, the embodiment, the embodiment of a superstar. He doesn't have bad games. His bad games was like game one where he went for 24 points and 19 rebounds and five assists. That's like his bad game. Falls it up 39, 16, and 5. Falls it up 30, 17, and 17. Falls it up with a 53-point game. And now a 29, 13, 12 triple-double with multiple blocks on 60% shooting. I mean, shooting 58% for the series. I, I, so as, as the competition has gone, gone up, okay, has gone up, he is shooting guys almost 10% higher in this series than the last series. Think about that. Almost 10% higher. So Jokic continues to be the base of the Nuggets pyramid. The base of the pyramid is what everything else is predicated on and built upward from. And Jokic just, um, I continue to marvel, guys. Like, like how fun was that? How, like, how, how fun was game five? <laughs> that was like a blast. I mean, from the first quarter, the way that they came out and jumped Phoenix uh, to big runs in the second half, like they got up 14. Phoenix comes all the way back, takes a lead. The Nuggets find a way to uh, to get back up over 20 in the same game. You know, that's hard to do. And I just couldn't be more impressed with the guy, the, the head of the snake, the head of the snake, uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, Jamal Murray. Uh, we'll shift gears to him. Uh, started really slow. There was some positives from uh, uh, Jamal Murray uh, down the stretch of that that second half, and he got into it with Landry Shamit. And you know Jamal over the years, like he thrives in those sort of environments where things get a little testy, and he he gets to you know take it personal. I, I, and I'll say this, and I saw some of this on social media, like yeah, like now Jamal's mad, like you made Jamal mad. Now now you're going to see the best of Jamal. Dude, it's game five. Your season's, like for, for again, all intents and purposes, it feels like it's on the line. Like the winner of this series, uh, winner of that game, eight out of ten times, better than eight out of ten times, is going to go on and win the series. You shouldn't need Landry Shamit to piss you off, okay? I was really disappointed by Jamal Murray's start to this game. He had two points at halftime on one of six shooting, 0 for 2 from 3. That means at halftime, uh, Jamal Murray was 2 for his last 20 attempts from three over the previous 14 quarters in this span. That's a huge-ass sample size right there. 
That's three and a half games to go two for 20 from three. Now, he ended up hitting two threes in that second half, thankfully. And and, and I hope uh, that that propels him into game six in Phoenix because they're going to need him. You're going to see the Suns' best stinking punch, okay? And you're not going to win that game. I'm just telling you, this. I don't have to be a palm reader or have a magic eight ball to tell you if Jamal Murray doesn't play well, you're not winning in Phoenix. I, 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 I'm not forecasting that. So you, he needs to play better, okay? It wasn't all bad, all right? He wound up with five rebounds and six assists, and he was a plus 23 when he was out there, okay? So it wasn't all bad. That's not what I'm here to say. But the question that I have been asking for a year, okay, all season, even before the injury, I was asking it. Can Jamal Murray be the second best player on a championship team? And and these big swaths of time that go by when he just looks so average are concerning. It is. It was through that lens, through that lens of like, does this guy have what it takes to be the Robin to a Batman? I know Batman's showing up, okay? I, I know when that bat signal goes in the sky and it's a high leverage moment, I know what I'm getting from Jokic. I just don't know with enough confidence what I'm getting with Jamal Murray. And last night was the, the latest example of that. So again, not here to dump on Jamal. He ended up stabilizing and you could say, hey, maybe that's the most important thing, that he, that he, that he was able to, to, to withstand some of the struggles and stabilize. Sure, I could, you know, I could hear that, but it's all too often. And the counting numbers don't tell the whole story, okay? If you just look at the box score, don't be a, don't be a box score monger where you're just hovering over the box score and dwelling on the, you know, the total. What is the temperature on a possession-by-possession possession basis? And it, it is all too often Jamal has these stretches of uh, anonymity, uh, during these games where he's just an anonymous, um, you know, uh, a, a player on the offensive side of the ball, which is his clearly his strength. Right. So, uh, again, wasn't all bad. Hit some threes, the reverse pivot, getting guys to leave their feet and go in glass. And, you know, some of the assists uh, were good, um, but need to see more, need to see more. But but you, you got to be thankful from a Nuggets perspective that we're able to be critical in a win. Right. The, the, there's time for Jamal to continue to, I'll use that word again, stabilize, um, which has been an issue throughout his career. You just hope that he finds a, a semblance of that consistency here in these playoffs, because this is what it's all about right here, right now. Um, OK, uh, so hopefully Jamal can build on game five uh, into game six. And by the way, we have seen him do this. We have seen, we saw it in the first round. I think it was, was it game one in the first round where he really struggled uh, from uh, the field? And then he was out there like in, in kind of like a uh, garbage time and was able to find some success. I think, I literally think it was game one of the playoffs. He was really bad. Uh, from the field, but they left them out there in garbage time when the game was uh, decided because Denver blew out Minnesota in game one, and he actually hit some shots late, and that carried over into game two where he ended up going for 40 points. Hopefully that's the case here uh, for um, th- this Phoenix series uh, heading into uh, Phoenix for game six. Um, uh, Aaron Gordon uh, struggled uh, offensively, but I thought he was good and and did what was necessary defensively. Again, his jumper just, you know, he had the one three in the first half uh, that was a feel-good three because Denver was, you know, creating space between them and Phoenix. And, you know, he was able to knock in a three 
Um, but besides that, like you're seeing him really struggle um, from from the floor. Uh, anything that's not a you know super high percentage, um, you know dunk or, or finish or alley oop or something like that, which he does you know tremendously well. Um, but you're seeing him struggle a little bit. So you know, ten points, okay, you take you take it. But I was more impressed with the other end of the floor. And really, you go back to you know when 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 he signed. You know, it's like okay, now the Nuggets have you know this big you know, wing type defender um, that, uh, and, and I know he's a power forward, but like, hey, now we got our guy that can guard Kawhi. Now we got our guy that can guard Luka. Now we got our guy that we can throw at Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. And I thought there was multiple instances last night where Aaron Gordon did a good job of um, uh, 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 shrinking the space between him and Durant or him and Booker, getting that length up. Uh, on some of those mid-range jump shots, staying down on pump fakes, I thought I thought AG AG did a good job in that category, and that's the category that they needed him the most. So I thought Aaron Gordon uh, was was largely good. He was a net positive for sure. And then you don't have to look any further than a team high plus twenty seven in the raw uh, plus minus. Um, uh, so n- not that that means everything. Uh, we always say that as, as a disclaimer, but uh, you 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 know it's a big indicator when you're plus freaking twenty seven, right? <laughs> There's not a lot gets lost in interpretation when you're a plus twenty seven. Um, Michael Porter Jr. Man, that first quarter was fun to watch, wasn't it? It was so fun to watch. That guy uh, can be sort of like a Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, add water and stir. You you just blinked. You went to the bathroom and you came back and you missed three three pointers. I mean that dude was brilliant in the uh, in the that first quarter. He had 14 points in the first quarter alone. Uh, he w- he went nuclear. Now um, Denver, there's two things true here moving forward after that first quarter ended. Uh, Michael Malone and the Nuggets need to do a better job of putting him in more uh, advantageous positions to 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 score. It can't just be like happenstance. Okay, you have the ball now. Go ahead and make a play. Like you have got to use design and scheme to put him in a position to to maximize uh, and and parlay that f- first quarter into just a full game. Um, the other onus is on uh, Michael Porter Jr. That he has got to do a better job of maximizing his own moments, and this is still where we're at with a young, high ceiling, high talented, promising but inconsistent basketball player. This is why you know, and I've I've been talking about for you know a full season now that I don't like the nickname Bubble Murray anymore because it reduces a guy who scored seven thousand points in the NBA down to a five week period in an empty gym in Orlando. I just don't think it's fair. Um, and, and, and I'd be tired of hearing it if I was Jamal, right? And I've talked about this, but almost the reduced version to that, um, is not, is not a, a bubble Murray referencing to a five week stretch. It's a, it's a Porter quarter and, and, and it's a fun nickname <laughs> and it's fun to say. Um, but eventually we have to get to a point just like Jamal, it's the same idea, same thought process where it's not a Porter quarter. It's just Michael Porter Jr. playing high level of basketball. It's just who you are as a player. Not like, oh, here's our one flash in, in the pan moment that we, ha- that we literally have a name for. But there's a reason that there's a name for it because it's, it just comes in a wave and then it goes away. So you have 14 points in the first quarter, but you finish with 19. You had 16 at halftime. That leaves you three points in the second half. And I know he didn't finish the game because it was out of hand, but still. Um, this is the process of crossing through um, 
that that consistency no. conversation. And it's not going to happen in these playoffs. I, I understand that. I, I I'm 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 hyper aware of that. Um, but at the same time, it's something that we can ask for. Uh, and and hope for certainly, and something that we'll be watching for, right? He's a huge part of this team, and represents the upside of the Nuggets uh, themselves. So we'll keep our eye on that. But you take the go with the bad with it uh, at this point. So twenty eight minutes, nineteen points, fourteen of those in the first quarter. Um, you 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 take that for what it is. And then the other guy who I was just so impressed with, and. You know, again, I'll, I'll give myself some credit because in this business, if you don't do it, uh, no one's going to do it for you. And that is, um, you know, at the end of the radio show, Stokely and Zach, uh, last two minutes of the, of the program on Tuesday, um, it was, hey, um, uh, 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 Stokely said, hey, hey, give me a prediction. He, he, he was looking for like a prop bet. He was looking for like a prop bet. Um, and sometimes I feel uncomfortable, like giving out a bet on the air, like this is what we should do with our money. Like, no, I'm going to do what I want with my money. You do what you want with your money, uh, bet the bets that you want to bet. But I knew what he was asking me. Right. And I said, I'll tell you the guy I feel great about. And that's going to have a huge impact in tonight's game and, and a win for Denver, as we predicted, uh, is Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown was not very good in Phoenix. He just wasn't. Um, he had five points in game four, 11 points uh, uh, on 36% shooting in game three. He just wasn't the best version of himself. And I was betting on a correction and I was betting on an aggressive Bruce Brown. That guy is tenacious uh, when you catch him uh, in the right mood, in the right environment. And game five at home was the intersection of those couple things for Bruce Brown. And uh, so about five hours later uh, on that, that I made two predictions. Bruce Brown's going to have a huge impact in the game and, and Devin Booker will fail to score 30 points. And we feel good about both of those things um, coming true. But Bruce in his 27 minutes was just, you could just see in that first half, like he had a move coming down in transition on Kevin Durant, where he, I thought Kevin Durant was going to, uh, a turn into a block of ice the way that Bruce Brown froze his ass. I mean, that was phenomenal. A little stutter step and then followed by a Euro step and he just gallops around the seven foot Durant to finish at the rim. Bruce Brown has never scored 25 points in a game where he came off the bench. So it's kind of a, a pseudo like bench career high, if you will. He got to the free throw line. That was because of the aggressive nature of him. He took 10 free throws. He made nine, shot seven of 11 from the field, made 50 per percent of his threes had five rebounds had a steal had an assist he was fun as hell to watch and you absolutely love to see it and then the other brown christian brown uh was was a bright spot who you know not going to light the world on fire offensively but he had not had not been playing well but his minutes went up and his aggressive nature went up and his impact went up and the signature moment from him on the night was that steal from Durant and him lifting off and looking in the rim uh, with that two-handed dunk that set Ball Arena on freaking fire. And one thing I loved about the play, my favorite part about it, other than the bunnies that is otherworldly from Brown, um, is that he actually communicated. He's on Aaron Gordon's left side, and he communicated with him, letting Gordon know, I'm right here on your left side. Gordon literally changes defensive position, shades Durant more to the left, which Durant then feels a little bit more comfortable to pass the ball because Gordon's left arm isn't right right there, moves just a little bit, and that allows Christian Brown to, to, to jump the gap 
and go the other way for the big-time dunk. So uh, love, love, love to see it. Uh, Michael Malone didn't make wholesale adjustments from a personnel standpoint. We didn't see you know Peyton Watson play meaningful minutes, and obviously you know him and Zeke got in the game. Reggie Jackson got in the game at the end. Um, but you didn't see it from a personnel standpoint. But I did think you saw um, micro adjustments in terms of making Devin Booker uh, more of a defender, making him work uh, on the other end uh, with with Murray coming off more screens. I mean, the first possession or two is like, who's that, Rip Hamilton out there? But they made Booker run around with Murray. That made him just a little bit more tired. I thought that was a micro adjustment. I thought uh, picking... Uh, Booker uh, uh, up uh, sooner in the in the uh, full court um, was uh, again just a micro adjustment of let let me just f- you're gonna feel me earlier in this possession and you're gonna get into your action in the half court three to four seconds delayed and maybe that causes a moment of stress seven seconds from now and there was a couple moments where it did so again. I know a lot of people wanted to see uh, a personnel adjustment, and I think that was fair. But the results from Michael Malone, um, the results were really good. And at the end of the day, the results are what matter the most. So we'll probably be revisiting this conversation later in the playoffs, if not in game six or potentially seven. But for game five, um, it was it was good. The plan, the plan worked. The plan worked. Um. Okay, guys, we're going to leave it there uh, for now. Uh, thank you so much for being here with me on the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BuysLine. If you feel like we deserve five stars, um, we'd love for you to give us five stars. We'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to tell a friend about this podcast if you enjoy it. Um, so thank you for being here. Uh, we are going to take a, um, uh, a day off as we've now podcasted here three days uh, in a row. The next time that we'll see these teams play is on Thursday night on ESPN at 8 o'clock. And guys, whatever happens on Thursday night in Game 6, you can be sure we're going to be talking about it the next morning right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.